welcome to Healing at the Speed of Light. Every week, we discuss how laser therapy is changing healthcare and how you can benefit. Now, here is your host and founder of Laser Therapy Institute, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hi there, welcome back to the weekly Healing at the Speed of Light podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Our sponsor is Laser Therapy Institute. You can find a laser therapy clinic near you by going to lasertherapyinstitute.org. Type in your location and see if there's a clinic near you. If you're having trouble finding one, shoot us an email, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. We can help you find the care that you need. Okay, we're diving in today to an article from 2017 that was published in the Belgian Journal of Medical Oncology, and it's titled The Role of Photobiomodulation Therapy in the, Ro- in, excuse me, in the Care of Cancer Patients, Review of the Literature. So, to clear that up a little bit, this particular study goes over several conditions that happen along with cancer treatments, such as chemotherapy, surgery, radiotherapy or, or radiation treatment, um, hormone, autoimmune therapy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, immunotherapy, and the side effects that that causes. You know, if you are dealing with a cancer diagnosis and you're pursuing care, you have care recommended that you are going after. Uh, This article goes over several things that can happen at the same time that really make the recovery process and just going through the treatments can make it difficult, much more unpleasant. And in some cases, the side effects to these treatments are bad enough that it actually interrupts the cancer care that's been recommended. And of course, that's bad if you are supposed to get radiation to treat your tumor or potentially tumors, not being able to go through with that care because you get a really bad skin reaction, obviously that's not good. If you can minimize the side effects to cancer treatment, it it raises your chances of success of making it through the actual therapy. So these authors went ahead and listed out several things that can happen along with traditional cancer care and how laser therapy or photobiomodulation or light therapy or LED therapy kind of lists out what those uh, options are to help reduce the side effects and manage that so that patients can make it through cancer care uh, easier. And of course, that's what most of us know with patients that are going through cancer treatments. If you've got friends or family that are dealing with cancer treatments, oftentimes the tumor itself, the actual cancer, isn't causing a lot of symptoms in the, uh, in, in the immediate term. Of course, it will down the road. A lot of the problems that people deal with when they're going through cancer treatment is the actual side effects from the, treatment, from the treatments themselves. So I want to I wanna talk to you about how that happens today and talk to you about what can be done to help reduce that. And so we're going to go through cancer-related lymphedema, oral mucositis, radiodermatitis, chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy, osteonecrosis of the jaw, and xerostomia or hyposalivation. Now, we'll define what all those mean and what's usually recommended for them, and then we'll also talk about how laser can help with that. So right off the bat, if this is the first time you've listened to this podcast, we're talking about light therapy. And now light, specifically in the visible red 
and near-infrared wavelengths. Not laser surgery, okay, we're not cutting anything out. We're using light to stimulate a biological response, a, a stimulation of the cells that are important for healing. So I'll give you just a quick bare bones explanation of how certain types of light can stimulate actions within the cells that can make healing go faster. And specifically, red and infrared light interacts with the mitochondria of the cell. This mitochondria is a very small part of the cell that creates the majority of the cellular energy packets that that cell then needs to use to be able to either repair damage or replicate and divide or to be able to fight off uh, some kind of stressor. So red and infrared light can actually stimulate that energy production process. If you can improve that, you improve all the functions of the cell. But additionally, you produce some nit nitric oxide which helps to cause some vasodilation or enlargement of the blood vessels. So you get more blood flow to that damaged or injured or stressed area of the, of the tissues. And also produces a low level of reactive oxygen species, which that actually helps your genes produce the proteins that they are supposed to for regulating inflammation and growth factors as well so that you get better stimulation of healing. Now, if you know anything about cancer and cancerous tumors, you know that the cells are growing kind of out of control. So if I'm talking to you right now about in increasing cellular energy and bringing more blood flow to an area, that may have already raised a red flag in your mind to say, well, I don't want to do that on a tumor. And you're exactly right. We, we don't have enough evidence yet to say exactly which way that process goes. We have some evidence that uh, red light and infrared light on a tumor could make it actually grow faster. But we also have some studies that say it improves the immune system effects in the area of that tumor, and so you can actually shrink a tumor. But we don't have enough evidence yet to really say which way that goes. So right now, I'm going to tell you it's important that you don't have red infrared light therapy done directly on a tumor. And I want you to understand that none of the things we're going to talk about today really involve working right on a tumor, okay? We're talking about using light around or on a different area than the tumor is actually at. So with that being said, let's get into the very first topic here. So I already said what we're going to run down. The very first one is cancer-related lymphedema. And that's a really common side effect in patients that are dealing with breast cancer, and head and neck cancer, what happens is because of surgeries um, or radiation, you can lose some of the lymph channels that help to drain fluid out of that extremity, like the arm. And so you have swelling that just pools up in that extremity, and it gets to where it can't really get out of that area. The researchers in this paper said that this can be 75 up to 75% of patients they go through cancer treatment, could end up with some lymphedema, cancer-related lymphedema, swelling. Now, they do go on to say that for swelling, there is some decongestive therapy that can be done, but for laser specifically, that 
in 2006, the FDA said, look, laser is a good treatment option for this cancer-related lymphedema because it can stimulate the lymphatic flow or the, the, the fluid to get out of that extremity, and it can even increase the number of lymph vessels and prevent the formation of fibrotic tissue or scar tissue. So not only can you get the fluid out of that limb, out of that arm or leg, but you can also increase the number of channels to make ongoing lymphedema in the future less likely or not as severe, and even prevent the formation of scar tissues, which definitely can restrict the flow of lymphatic fluids. So they said it's a good thing to do two or three times a week, um, treating not only the area that's swollen, but even right up from the area that's swollen. So for instance, if, you get, if you're if you getting a lot of swelling in the arm, the forearm, and the hand, it's good to be able to treat the shoulder and then also treat the arm and the hand with laser therapy. Two to three times a week uh, until symptoms improve. And then we expect to see some level of, of permanent recovery there. Maybe not perfect. You know, we're not looking for just perfection, but oftentimes what I see in my clinic is a 50 to 80% improvement in swelling. And that's life-changing for patients that have been dealing with lymphedema. Okay, going on to oral mucositis. Now, oral mucositis happens in almost all patients that undergo uh, radiation therapy for head and neck cancers, um, and in some cases of chemotherapy as well. And what that is, is a ulcerations of the mouth that make it very difficult, very painful, uncomfortable to try to eat or drink. And in some cases, people even have to be hospitalized so to make sure that they can get some nutrition in um, because they just get to where they can't eat. Not a lot of treatment options other than some anti-inflammatory mouthwashes uh, and some pain medications. But in 2014, the, the Multinational Association of Supportive Care in Cancer and International Society of Oral Oncology actually recommended the use of laser therapy for the prevention and management of oral mucositis. And what they say is you can start using it before or on the very first day of chemotherapy or radiation treatment, especially with head and neck cancers. And you can continue that every day or at least two to three times a week until you are through that episode. And, and this is something that typically is an episode that can happen. A lot of times it's only a week or two long. Some of it, Sometimes it can stretch out longer than that. But if you can utilize laser to either avoid or greatly minimize these ulcerations. It's almost like a whole bunch of cold sores in the mouth. Um, if you can minimize that, then you can get through that episode without sidelining your cancer care. Uh, and face it, who wants to be hospitalized for being unable to even swallow? I mean, that is just a whole nother level of misery. So the researchers said, Laser therapy is an excellent choice, and you don't even have to wait until you get symptoms. You can start it even before you start getting radiation care or, or chemotherapy drugs. If you have additional questions or you want to hear more about oral mucositis specifically, I encourage you to go back to our March 2nd podcast. We talked about oral mucositis specifically and in greater depth. So right now, though, we're going to go ahead and roll on to radiodermatitis. Okay, that's a, that's a really uh, kind of a reddened skin inflammatory reaction. Um, it can be pretty mild or it can be really serious just depending on 
the patient and, and the type of therapy they're getting it can really prevent patients from being able to wash, get dressed, do household kind of standard activities. And sometimes it can be bad enough that it actually stops the patients from being able to continue their radiation treatment. There's not a lot of treatment for this, um, but we can see some good benefit from utilizing laser over those areas. Again, kind of like with oral mucositis, the researchers say you can do it prophylactically, so right from the very first day of radiation, or you can start it afterward, minimum of three times a week, um, so that you can reduce the irritation of, on the skin and avoid some of the really severe skin reaction that can happen there because of radiation. And this isn't specific to any one type of cancer, but of course breast cancer, uh, even prostate cancer, multiple types of cancer that you would have radiation recommended for and you can start it right away very first day of radiation or you can wait until the symptoms show up i think most people would rather get ahead of it right away so we're going to talk about chemotherapy induced peripheral neuropathy next now neuropathy is is a word that means nerve damage and what it results in is the development of pain and tingling and burning and numbness in the feet or the hands and it's about 68% um, of patients within a month of getting chemotherapy will experience this and about 30% of patients will have it actually persist through at least three months. So the researchers say that there's really no treatment other than some medications like gabapentin or Lyrica to try to reduce some of those symptoms. But laser therapy can be used in many cases to very well reduce the symptoms and in most cases lasting pain reduction and resolution of the condition. If you want to hear some more about chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy in particular, go back to episode number two that we did. That was from December 23rd of 2019. You can hear a full explanation of a study on just chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy. So now I'm going to go ahead and push on to osteonecrosis of the jaw. And that means osteonecrosis is bone death. So we're talking about a portion of the jaw bone itself actually losing circulation or not having good enough bone turnover, bone repair, because of the drugs that are being taken, which is often a bisphosphonate. And because you're not allowing the bone to repair itself due to... It's, it's oftentimes bone metastasized cancers or multiple myeloma that you'll see this. Because you're not allowing the bone to really repair very well, you just lose a section of bone. It can be very painful. Uh, it, it can lead to some ongoing problems and even the loss of part of the jaw. It only occurs in about 1-12% to 12 of patients that are, that are taking those drugs, but still a significant side effect. And there's really nothing other than surgical removal in many cases that can be done. So once again, the researchers are recommending laser therapy in this, in this article two to three times a week or even daily. You can do that inside of the mouth or from the outside as well. And you can get up to 55% success in reducing the pain and actually healing up the bony lesion so that you don't have to get back in there with surgery. 55% may not sound that great, but it's a lot better than 30%, which is what 
the the regular rate is so it certainly doesn't hurt and i want to reemphasize, especially if this is your first time joining us on the podcast we're talking about laser therapy we're not talking about surgically removing anything with a laser that's a different process this is laser therapy is non-invasive it carries almost no side effects along with it, it can be used even with most drugs still being in your, in your system uh, there's no medication conflicts or or any issues there. So really, even with something like this where maybe it just ups your chances of recovery from 30 to 55%, it's absolutely worth trying to see if you can reduce not only the pain but also improve the actual bone damage itself. All right, the next one we're going to roll on to is hyposalivation. So not enough spit generation in the mouth, right? Um, also called xerostomia. And this we'll see, you'll see this a lot of times in radiation therapy in, in the head and the neck. So cancers of the, of the head and the neck. Um, when you have radiation done, it kind of destroys the capacity of those saliva glands to actually produce the saliva they're supposed to. It does increase your risk of oral infections, tooth damage, um, pain, eating problems, um, and especially just that sense of being very dry-mouthed. So you can have intensity-modulated radiation done to try and spare those glands, but that's not always super successful. Oral hygiene really does make a difference here, but if you're dealing with this already, then the researchers say there's a good chance that laser therapy can improve your sense of dry mouth and, and saliva production by working directly on those, those glands. Again, here, they recommend starting on the very first day that you start radiation and then continuing it every day during radiation therapy um, to prevent it from even starting. So they say, look, this is a great treatment option for anyone going through cancer care. Again, it's very important that if you're dealing with cancer, you can stick with the treatment plan that's been established for you. And if you can avoid some of these really unpleasant side effects or minimize them through something non-invasive and very safe like laser therapy, you've got nothing to lose. I'd encourage you to talk to your oncologist or talk to your family and friends who are going through cancer care about this. Ask your oncologist if they do laser therapy. Ask what they know about it. Unfortunately, in many cases, oncologists don't know about this stuff yet. It's still very new. It's not something they're taught in school. And we'll be seeing better and better knowledge out there as we go forward. But right now, there's just not that many oncologists who have included this in their practice yet. You may have to reach out to one of our clinics with Laser Therapy Institute uh, or another clinic to be able to get laser therapy done separately from your cancer care. Highly encourage you to talk to your oncologist about it first, okay, and see what can be done there. Go ahead and shoot us an email or at least check out the provider locator map, lasertherapyinstitute.org. And if you have additional questions, would be happy to chat with you about that. You can email us, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. So I hope to see some questions from you and otherwise join us next week. Subscribe to this weekly podcast for more great information. Find a certified laser therapy clinic near you at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you're a healthcare provider, check out our practitioner-focused Laser Therapy Institute podcast. Thanks for listening.